About three months ago, I stood before this congregation and I shared a mighty act of God in my personal life. I talked about how the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was still the God that heals today. Not just miracles of healing, but also miracles of salvation. And as many of you might be sitting there wondering, I wonder how David's doing today. Well, I just want to tell you I'm six months and about a week with no medicine. And God is still doing amazing things. And as you clap, I pray to God that that is all to him and to him alone. Now, I come today, and and I'm going to tell you, this is like, I'm so excited about this message, but I'm also so in awe of who God is in this message, and I'm just so broken over this message that I don't know whether to tell you this is going to be a rejoicing time, if it's going to be a conviction type of, I don't know what it's going to be. All I know is that God is unbelievable, so awesome, so powerful, and so holy. And today, I want to take some time, and I want to seek out the God that is holy, holy, holy. The God above all gods. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The great I am. I want to take some time and just dwell on his presence. So today, I want to take the idea of tradition and religion, and let's just get that out of here. And let's just have... Just a wonderful time this morning, just completely seeking God. And the reason I say that about tradition and religion is because we're going to have worship after the service today. I hope that's okay. I'm excited about it. Some of you are like, man, that was a short worship service. It, it was. We had a very, a very abbreviated, but at the end, we're going we're gonna to take some time and worship. And it's going to be awesome. I really believe it with all my heart. As I always do, I always start off by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You don't have to open your Bibles there, but it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Let us pray. God, we truly are on holy ground. God, I pray that today that the holiness of God will shine in a way that we haven't seen it. The Shekinah glory of God will fall down like it did on Mount Carmel. That the fire of God like on Mount Sinai that was so holy and so powerful and so mighty that the people of Israel couldn't even touch the mountain. God, may that holy fire come today. May we as your people, bought by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb, we can stand before you in all holiness and all that you are. So God, we give you full reign of this service. I give you full reign of my tongue. And I ask you to speak. I ask you to speak of who you are. To teach of who you are, God. And to show your glory in this place, God. We love you and we praise you and we give you this time. For it's in your name. Amen. I want to ask you to take a journey with me. Today I'm going to be preaching from Isaiah chapter 6. Many of you know the verse 1 through 5. 
And we're going to start with 1 through 4. And I'm going to ask you right this second, I know you're all flipping and opening your Bibles, but I'm going to ask you to take a second and just close your eyes. And I want you to take a journey with me. As I read this scripture, I want you to imagine the things that Isaiah begins to see as he goes into the presence of the Holy God. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. And two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And imagine this right there as you're sitting before the throne. The foundations of the thresholds trembled. And the voice of him who called out while the temple was being filled with smoke. Isaiah before the throne of God. Seeing the holiness of God and finding himself so unclean and unworthy. Keep imagining there that you're standing there and that you see this God high and lifted up in all righteousness, in all holiness. And you see the, the seraphim that's covering them, them themselves because of how holy he is. All right, you can look back at me. This is the God that I come to teach about today. The God that Isaiah saw and realized in verse 5 how unclean and unworthy he was. Then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and for my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. He realized real quickly that he saw God in his holiness, and that he was a man of unclean lips from people that were unclean, and he said, Woe! To me. Now, let me ask you a question. If the holiness of God were to fall down in this place right this second, what would happen to us? I have a feeling that we'd be on our face before an all holy God. I have a feeling that if the holiness of God truly showed up in this place with all of his power and majesty, there would be no words to describe it. And there would be no person that was able to, to even comprehend it. But yet we would fall on our face in complete worship. Because when you fall on your face and you are laying before the Lord of God, you are saying to yourself that I am completely humbled in your presence. They say in, in, in olden times that when somebody would lay before the king, it was simply to show respect in the fact that the king could kill them with one swipe of a sword or even with their foot because they were laying and they were defenseless before the king. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords, the great and the holy one. Today I want to kind of go into the idea of what holiness means. And i got to tell you, I told Brother Fred the other day that I had a whole week off before this sermon. And that was one of the best things I've ever had in my life, was to have a whole week away from the craziness of life 
My cell phone didn't even get good reception where I was at. Praise the Lord. And God really showed up in a mighty way. The first aspect of holiness, but before I even go there, I've got to explain to you what holiness means. The word holy means to be set apart. To be set apart. The first aspect of holiness is that I want you to see that God is set apart from all other gods. There is no God like our God. Hey, I don't mind. Y'all, you're, you're welcome to shout today because there's going to be some verses that I, that I read that I might shout. But I'll try not to because I have a microphone on. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic and holy, awesome in praise? 1 Samuel 2.2 There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one. Isaiah 45.5 and 6 I am the Lord God and there is no one beside me. There is no God other than me. That men may know from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same that there is no God beside me. I am the Lord God. In 1 Samuel chapter 5, 1 and 7, I want to, I want to dwell on this for a second. I want to, I want to take you to this, this story. The nation of Israel was in battle against the Philistines and they decided that they were going to go get the Ark of the Covenant and they were going to bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle. Well, what happens is, is that the Philistines overtake the nation of Israel and the Ark of the Covenant. And if you've ever done a study of the Ark of the Covenant, you realize that where the Ark of the Covenant was was where the presence of God was. So the Philistines take over the Ark of the Covenant and they say, what should we do with this Ark? And somebody had a wise decision and said, hmm, why don't we place it at the foot of Dagon? Well, Dagon was one of their gods during this day. He's also the same god that Samson in all of his might, y'all remember he pulls down the temple? That was the temple of Dagon. So they take this Ark of the Covenant and they place it at the foot of Dagon. They wake up the next morning and Dagon has fallen over on his face before the all-holy God. Let me tell you something. There is no man-made human God that can stand in the presence of our holy God. Allah can't do it. Buddha can't do it. None of them can stand in the presence. They will fall on their face before our God because He is separate from all other gods because He is holy. Well, the people of the Philistine camp decided, they were like, well, what should we do? So they picked the statue of Dagon up and from what I was told and a little bit of that I've read about this, I've seen that Dagon was a very large statue. They wake up the next morning and they go to the temple of Dagon and they see that not only is Dagon on his face before God, but his arms has been disassembled. No God can stand in the holiness of our God. There is no God like our God. He is all holy. He is separate from all other gods. This is the God that we worship and that we serve. And we should start living with power because we serve an all holy God. That no God can stand in his presence. All throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament you see that God is all holy. And that no other God is even close to being like our God. 
the second aspect that I want to talk to you about is that God is separate from all sin and all evil. Sin and evil cannot be in the presence of our holy God because He is separate from it. It says in Habakkuk 1.13, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. It says in James 1.13 that God cannot be tempted by evil. And it says in Job 34.12, It is unthinkable that God would act wickedly or that the Almighty would ever pervert justice. Our God is separate from all sin and from all evil. Now, let's think about this for a second. We are born into what? Sin. If an all-holy God were to walk in this place right now, what would happen to us? We're going to get to that in a minute. You know, I see these shirts that say, Jesus is my homeboy. I don't know if you've ever seen those before. Maybe it's a generational thing. But I struggle with it because if Jesus were to show up in this place, we wouldn't be like, yo, what's up? Or we wouldn't be like, hey, how's it going? Or Jesus. More than likely, we'd be on our face. Let's talk through the progression of, of, of us. When, we were, when, when God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden, they had no sin and no evil. And so God was there. At the point of the fall of man, things completely changed because God is all holy. Because he is separate from evil and sin. Exodus 19.10 says the people could not even touch the holy mountain of God at Mount Sinai because God dwelt on the mountain talking to Moses because they were a sinful, evil people. It says in Leviticus that no one can go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest on Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, because we are sinful and we have evil in us. Now, I want to walk through this for a second. God desires to dwell with us. In all of His holiness, He desires to dwell with us. And the only way for that was to make an atonement for the evil and the sin that's in our lives which was Jesus. Which this will give you a better understanding of Philippians chapter 2, 6 and 7. It says that though he was in the equivalent to God, or he was like God, he didn't take it anything to be grasped, but instead he what? He emptied himself to become like man. Now, why would Jesus have to empty himself? Because he had to come and walk with man. Now he was still holy. Why was he still holy? Because sin never entered into his body. He was born of a virgin. Instead of man and woman, he was born simply of a virgin. Because that showed that he was not born according to two people who came together which would have created and been born into sin. He never sinned. He walked a perfect life which allowed him to continue to be holy. So when he went to the cross and the blood of the Lamb poured out at that cross, the holy God was crucified so that we could go and be in the presence of a holy God. 
At the moment that, that, that he is crucified, Matthew 27, 51, the veil was torn because God could be in the presence of those who have the blood of the Lamb upon them. Isn't it interesting that an all-holy God can now live in the hearts of each of us simply because the blood of the Lamb and the price that was paid that we can now have a holy God living inside of us? We serve a God who is unlike any other gods. We serve a holy God whose sin and evil has no place or part with Him. We serve a God who made a way for an unholy people to be able to worship Him. And that's by His Son emptying Himself, coming down and living a perfect life so that the blood of the Lamb, so that the sins could be forgiven, so that the evilness and sin could be taken away, so that we could come and dwell with a holy God. So we can worship God. We can worship God who is high and lifted up. We can worship the one true God. We can serve the one true God. We can fall on our face before God. We can raise our hands and surrender before our God in worship. Why? Because we have the blood of the Lamb upon us. And because of that, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says that our worship is life. Worship is life. It's every day. So every day we have the authority to come before the all-holy God and worship Him. Now, it says all throughout Scripture, it says this, Be holy just as what? I am holy. This is where we get the understanding of more moral principles according to the Scripture. A lot of us think that, um, or at least young, young in the faith, children in the faith will say that, that man, God has all these, these rules and regulations. But maybe we should look at it as God's calling us to be holy, just as He is holy, which means to be separate from sin and evil. God's calling us to be just like He is, holy, separate from sin and evil, which is where we get the moral character of God, the moral principles of of the Bible is simply that we need to be holy, separate from sin and evil. We need to be holy just like God is holy. So with that understanding, that we should be holy just as God is holy, that we should be separate from sin, there's no excuse because we serve an almighty God who sent His Son to bleed on the cross, to die on the cross, to be raised again so that we could be holy just as He is holy. There's no excuse. This is the God that we serve. The God who realized that he is so big and so holy, but yet desired to dwell with us and sent his son so that we could come into the holy room of God. What priority takes place in your life? The world or God's holiness? Do you desire to be holy like God is holy? Or do you desire the things of this world? That's the whole reasoning why Jesus had to come. It's the whole reasoning why the blood of the Lamb had to be placed on our lives and our hearts. I tell people 
that in, in, in one sense we are kind of like a veil because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and non-believers, those who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, cannot be in the presence of a holy God. What would happen to them? We saw it as the Ark of the Covenant was walking down and the guy reached up and touched it and he dies instantly. Why? Because God was trying to protect them from his holiness. And that's why he told them to carry the Ark with the beams and the four Levites. Jews to this day, I was in Israel, went up on the uh, uh, Temple Mount, and right before I went up there, there was this big sign that said, Chief Rabbi says, do not enter because it is a holy place and you will die. See, the reasoning is is that they don't want anybody to go up on Temple Mount because they don't know where the actual Holy of Holies is or was, and if you step in that area, they believe that you will die instantly because that's how holy our God is and how separate He is from sin and evil. Our God is so holy that in Revelation that there's coming a day that we will be around the throne of God and it says this, and the four living creatures, each of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within and day and night, they do not cease saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Think about that for a second. Day and night, they do not cease because God is so holy. And they sit there and they have eyes. I can just see them. They're kind of like, like, kind of like. And then it says the 24 elders will fall down before him and sits on the throne and will worship him and live forever and ever. And will cast their crowns before him, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you were created for all things, and because of you, because of your will, they existed and were created. That's coming. The God that is high and lifted up. That we will have the opportunity to fall down on our face before. Worship. And adore. But my question is, is, are you being holy? Are you striving for holiness just as your God is holy here on earth? Yes, flesh is tough. But God is strong and powerful. And there is no God like our God. So we're going to take a few minutes. Brother Ed's going to come back up here. And I want to dwell on the fact of how holy our God is. How high and lifted up our God is. How big and powerful, how mighty the great I am is. This is the God that you, if you call yourself a Christian, believe in and worship. But maybe we need to get to the understanding that we are absolutely nothing without Him. We are absolutely nothing without Him. So to, to this morning, as we go into a time of worship, as we take this time together, I pray that you will spend time dwelling on who God is and who we are not. During this time, the altar is open. If you desire to come and just pray, if you desire to, to speak with anybody, that will be open, but it will, it will be a little longer than an altar call. We're going to take some time and truly worship the great I Am the Holy King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't even care if you want to come and just lay before the, the throne of God. 
If you want to sit there in just awe of who He is, if you want to stand and raise your hands saying that you surrender everything. A mentor of mine says it best. If somebody were to come up to me and point a gun at me, the first thing I would do is raise my hands to surrender myself saying that you're in control. So when you raise your hands in worship, I pray that it is simply out of the fact that you are giving all control and authority to the all-holy God. God, we give you this time. Lord, we come before your throne. Those who have the blood of the Lamb upon them have the ability and the authority and the great privilege to come and worship the King. So God, we give you this time and we pray that, that we will corporately as a group of a body of believers fall before the throne of God and may the Shekinah glory of God fall down like it did all throughout the Old Testament. God, I pray that revival will break forth, not man-made revival, but simply the fact that the holiness of God showed up. God, I pray that, that each person here they will not be deterred by any type of cultural ideas that people will judge them if they get up out of their seat or anything like that, but yet they will simply be in awe and have complete freedom in the fact that their God is all holy. Lord, this is your time. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb who slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, blessing. Let's worship the Lord right now. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, with all creation I sing. Praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, 
and I will adore you. Holy, 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 Lord, oh Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Lord, open our eyes so to see you in all of your glory, all of your holiness today. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 I want to see. You are holy, 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 I want to see you, I want to see you, yes, I want to see fall down we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus we cry holy 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 
sings my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. Change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this is what I pray. Change my heart, O oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God, may I be like you. Change my heart, O oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God, may I be like you. 